Welcome to the podcast that we know you've been waiting for. This is the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm Seth Everett. He is Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at BavadaSportsbook.com. Patrick, the uh, NHL and the NBA continue to hustle on. And what do we keep seeing? Overtime games in the NHL, blowouts in the NBA. I'm sorry. It's not like I'm harping on something from three weeks ago. This is still going on. Seth, I think, uh, you know, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of people that are not too pleased about how the NBA series are currently progressing. Um, Lakers, absolute no-show. Boston Celtics, who had the East completely wide open for them, seemingly uh, right up against playoff Jimmy again. Um, I think you've got some interesting storylines there. I don't I don't begrudge the Miami Heat for how they've been able to do what they're doing, but I, th- I think the NBA has got to be very concerned. It's one thing when you have all these blowouts, another thing when you're talking about if losing were- marquee teams. Okay, but if they were great games mm-hmm. and these this matchup. Now, you're bringing up a separate topic here. You're saying yeah. the NBA would rather have Celtics play the Lakers than the Nuggets play the Heat? Okay, uh, yes. Every television executive from, from now until the end of time. There have been documentaries just on the rivalry between the Celtics sure. and the Lakers. Like the, the, the history of those two franchises withstanding, if they were great games... If they were great games, when I say great games, that means with three minutes to go in the game, you don't know who the winner is. Mm-hmm. I agree with would, you. Would Seth. it be okay? Would it be okay if you had a Phoenix Miami mat- matchup? And, and again, it's not how many games does the series go? Because we saw with Celtics Sixers, that was a game seven, and it played like a preseason game. Yeah, no, I I, I don't disagree. I think what I meant was. Uh, NBA slash media execs would be maybe a little bit more inclined to hold their nose at some of these blowouts if it was trending in a direction of Lakers Celtics uh, into the final. I, th- I think it's a double disaster that these games in the fourth quarter have not really been uh, in contention, but it's the team with the worst media market, the worst uh, you know national kind of following that is on the other side of these uh, beatdowns. It's um, you know, I, I was telling you just before we started recording, I, I'm potentially looking forward to a, an easier second half of this week because of how these series are trending. I might not have much work to do on Thursday or Friday, but I I know for the house, for Bavada, for media partners, for fans of the game, uh, this is a disaster right now. This is real bad, real bad for the NBA. Because so for again, you're talking about the, the series aren't going long and the matchup isn't sexy. And, two totally and, different and things. The, what I'm and saying the, is, that they're I don't care about the everything. matchup. The games have been crap. I know. I'm saying it's everything, though. I'm saying if you're a media exec, you could probably, you know, hold your nose a little bit at these blowouts and these games being crap if the right team was progressing. But everything's bad. It's all bad. That's what I'm trying to say. That there's, you know, you got the wrong media. You got the bad games. You got everything. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to compliment your point. I'm not disagreeing with your point. I'm just saying that there's really difficulty to find any kind of consolation in what we've seen so far in these series. Uh, meanwhile, the PGA Championship was this weekend. And I'm going to sound really, really uneducated. Um, and there's plenty of people I could ask this question to. I chose to ask you. Oh, boy. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> because I think your answer might be funny. How are okay. live golfers eligible to play in something called the PGA Championship. The answer I've seen is that the majors are not run by the PGA, so Liv can participate in 
majors, but it, unlike the Masters and the U.S. Open and the British Open, or they call it the Open, whatever whatever those majors are, those mm-hmm. don't have the word PGA in it. How yeah, is Brooks um, Kepka allowed to play in the PGA Championship? And <laughs> the greatest tweet I saw <laughs> was that, like, like, uh, like Pat Bolin when the when the Broncos beat the Packers in Super Bowl Thirty Two and said, "This one's for John." I thought he was going to take that trophy and go, "This one's for Liv." How is Brooks Kempka allowed to play in this tournament? Does somebody know the answer? I, I wish I had a funny one for you, Seth, but for major tournaments like this, the Masters is similar as well. Uh, there are just various exemptions that last X amount of years based on past performance. So, for example, uh, the Masters, I know this as a Canadian, uh, Mike Weir hasn't been a very good golfer in a very, very long time. I don't think he even has his PGA Tour card anymore, but he won the Masters once. So specifically for that tournament, he has a lifetime exemption to play in that. Um, I don't know exactly what uh, Kepka's exemption is for the PGA Tour Championship, uh, the tournament that just took place over the weekend, but it, it's got to be something similar to that. Uh, if you win the Open, as you just said, or the Masters, uh, there are various exemptions and eligibilities that kicks in for other tournaments like this. So I, while it is you know kind of odd that these live golfers uh, get to play in these massive events, I know the PGA doesn't quite like it. It is generally because of these specific events themselves and their past performance on the PGA. Now, what you'll see is, uh, assuming live golf is still a thing in you know five, ten years' time, a lot of these exemptions are going to run out. A lot of these aren't. You get a lifetime exemption to play the PGA Championship. Uh, the Masters, I think that one is lifetime. And there, there's other different qualifiers as well. But the further away these guys get from playing on the PGA Tour, a lot of these exemptions will run out the clock. They'll so expire. What's that? They'll expire. They'll expire. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's, it's not a funny answer. It, it's something that the PGA hates because they wish these guys uh, weren't competing, and they really, really wish these guys weren't winning events like this. But this is kind of the conundrum they find themselves in for generic tour events um, that are happening. So like this upcoming weekend, um, there won't be any reason for live golfers to play in that, and especially because live golfers are because it's a PGA probably making more event, money. This but week. but I thought last yeah. week was a PGA event. Majors like these have their own. Let's um, no, no, no. You know, but at the PGA majors like these, the major is the PGA's major. Sure, and the Masters is still technically part of the PGA Tour, but it's welcome to invite. No, uh, you know, no, they bring no, the top no. amateurs. The Masters is run by. Okay, let's use the U.S. Open just because I know a little better. Sure, the U.S. Open is run by the USGA, not the PGA, mm-hmm. and not Live. Right. So the USGA can invite whoever they want. Mm -hmm. The PGA championship should not be able to invite anybody they want. That makes no sense. I mean, the PGA championship and whoever is responsible for running it, I'm just going to guess and say it's the PGA, could absolutely amend uh, past eligibility and what grandfathers you into stuff like this. So with, with that in mind, uh, they probably could change this. They just have not changed these legacy exemptions yet. Um, My goodness. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, like the, there was a club uh, professional playing on Saturday, uh, Michael Block. Uh, yeah, Sunday, yeah. sorry. He, I, heard, he, I saw he, him. The, yeah. 
yeah, he hit the hole one. He's he's not on the PGA tour, but he's the club pro, so he got a chance to play. So um it is up to each individual tournament whether they want to continue to extend these exemptions. There's a lot of good internal debate about it. Um at some okay. point. But you know, the, the PGA, PGA can control the this. The PGA is suspending anybody that participated in a live tournament except for this. Mm-hmm. I, what I'm saying is these exemptions are, are very, very strong. Again, I didn't create the rivalry between the two factions. They did. The PGA hates live and live hates the PGA. And these golfers left the PGA willingly. They said, including Brooks Kepka, I couldn't wait to get out of there. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Taking a little bit of a look, and even though it's called the PGA Championship, it's still considered an independent event, not organized by the PGA Tour. <laughs> and maybe, maybe they're just maybe they took a you know a cue from uh, Trump and just licensed out their name all over the place. That's what they did. Yeah, well, so I, don't like I it. saw the the best tweet I saw was I wanted Brooks Kepka to hold up that trophy and go, "This one's for Lib." No, I don't know. It's uh, I, I personally, as someone who just likes to see good golf, and I'm kind of a a late in life golf fan now, and I think it's just a rite of passage of getting a little bit older each year. That's just like, oh yes, that's soothing. That's good. I I, I think it's cool that both uh, tours competed at one tournament like that. I think the rivalry that's existed between Live and PGA I, has been interesting to me as a fan of the game. Um, I think uh, how upset the PGA gets. Related to this, uh, I think is very funny to me. Uh, and if you're a player, uh, it's you are in the best opportunity now to max out how much you're going to get paid, whether it's jumping totally. to live or the fact that PGA is going to have to beef up these purses because um, it's not a couple players that have gone to live now. They lost a good chunk of that tour for guys who are just playing uh, three days on a weekend and uh, for a guaranteed purse, a guaranteed purse. So I don't know. I I, I think it's great for the sport. I think it's very fun. You and I have also, you know, had the conversations before about, okay, yeah, it's it's a Saudi-owned league, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of bad owners in uh, U.S.-facing sports, global-facing sports. Premier League has some, you know, curious owners. Uh, we just booted out a Russian one not too long ago. Yep. So I, I I try not to look at the people right, running say, events where do you and draw just the quality the line? of right. events itself. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's how they're able to play in uh, regular PGA Tour events. Uh, they will not be able to, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, they got lucky. The PGA Tour, they got lucky at the Masters that John Rahm was able to hold off uh, Kepka in that one. But uh, yeah, trophy for Liv, tough one for PGA. Trophy for Liv at the PGA Tournament. The PGA Tour was literally livid. <laughs> boo, boo, that's Pat better. Morrow. See, that, that's that's better. That, yeah. that that I liked better. That was a better answer. The, co- the coffee's starting to kick in, yeah. It, it only took me like 10, 15 minutes for, I hope you have a funny answer. So yeah, there we go. Well, the whole thing to me was, a was a, was a, what the what I, you know, and it was funny because um, for my iHeart job, I was giving leaderboard updates mm. and, you know, he was, he didn't lead after the first uh, or after day two, but he was leading after the third day. So Sunday I was doing Brooks Kepka and it never dawned on me that he was, I went, wait a minute. He's, He's not PGA. How is this possible? And every person I asked was like, oh, well, he's a, it's a major, so he's allowed to. I was like, it's a dumb answer. And then I was going to text you. And then I said, you know what? Let's hold off and let's do this on the podcast because there was a chance your answer would be entertaining. 
And the jury's still out on that. Very much so. Very, very much so. <laughs> yeah, well, this is how the people listening at home know that none of this is scripted because uh, I, I would have hit that livid right out of the gates. Boom, without missing a beat. But we took 10 minutes to get there. 10 very valuable minutes, but this is how the people listening at home get to see how the sausage is made. And I regret see, nothing. Do you see uh, Live Golf and the uh, the problem with the CW? The CW? Is that, is that the TV network that used the to TV show network? Dawson's Creek? That shows, yeah, Smallville, <laughs> Dawson's yeah. Creek. Uh, are, are they now, uh, have they, you know, changed demographics now and they're hosting Saudi-backed uh, golf tourneys? What's happening? Yeah, so Live Golf has a, uh, a, a deal with the C- CW, right? That's the first yeah. time they've ever had a television deal. Last year, uh, Live Golf was on YouTube. And okay. um, 80% of CW affiliates dropped out of the broadcast in the fi- in the middle of the final round because they just wanted to air something else. Some and it Creek was Penn and Teller's, Penn and Teller's animal style oh boy (laughs) and it was just it was just a thing where like the cw never told their affiliates hey by the way this is a live event we may stay with this and the final few holes of the tournament just disappeared (laughs) i mean it was like the heidi game sort of yeah exactly that's what i was thinking of uh because you were kind yeah, because you were kind enough to educate us all about that uh, once upon a time. And yeah, now the CW's got their own version. I just don't think it's funny finding out today that the CW has golf rights for golf any rights. tour. Yeah. Any well, sport, they have new really, owners. Actually. They have new owners and uh, they okay. are changing all their programming and not to divert too far away from sports, but they're they canceled like all their superhero shows and, you know, like they're not mm-hmm. doing anything like that anymore. Yeah. From what I know of the CW, I would. You know, I would I would see them picking up like polo or something instead, or lacrosse, or maybe <laughs> dressage. But uh, live golf, eh, good for them. Branching out. Let's start with the NHL. The conference finals and the NBA finals, for that matter, are all three zero. Uh, it's pretty wild. It's I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, do we assume who's in the finals now? Do we assume that the two two teams that are up three zero are are going to advance? What do you make of these series? Yeah, Seth, it's been quite the conference finals in the NHL. Uh, you know, we had a lot of overtime games to start. These have been close games, relatively speaking, um, especially compared to the NBA. But yeah, it does look like, uh, you know, at our, looking at our futures board right now, we have the Vegas Golden Knights at minus 115 to win the Stanley Cup. The Florida Panthers at plus 120. So if you're converting those to probabilities, that's basically... That's roughly 95% of the betting board is on one of those two teams winning the Stanley Cup at Bavada. If you like the Hurricanes, if you like the Dallas Stars in a comeback, you can get either of them right now at 22 to 1, but it certainly looks like a two-horse race. Over in the NBA, it's the same situation. Uh, One of the series is already over. The Denver Nuggets are in the NBA Finals. Uh, The Miami Heat lead three games to one. In this circumstance, the games have, for the most part, been blowouts. I know the other day was a close game for the Lakers. None of this looks like it's going seven. No, but it looks like, uh, at least, Seth, for the Boston Celtics, they got a little bit of life. They've got, you know, they were big favorites in the series against the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat have continued to make everyone look foolish betting against them. 
But the Celtics, if any team could come back from this deficit, it's a team like this that were expected. They were minus 525 favorites when this series started. They are now, you know, they're slightly, they're still there. They're plus 250 now. So they've got a chance against this Miami Heat team. And what, you know, who eventually ends up coming out of the East is going to change our overall expectations for the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are currently your minus 250 outright favorites. We know they're going to be in the NBA Finals, but that will rise based on whether they're playing the Miami Heat or it will lower based on whether they're playing the Boston Celtics. So while the Nuggets have, uh, you know, the benefit right now of a little bit more rest because Heat and Celtics are going to keep going. Celtics are going to be favored in get that game five. Uh, if you really want to walk in the Nuggets now, you know, you, and you think the Heat are going to take it, I make this Nuggets net right now at Bovada. Also next week is the beginning of the third major of the tennis season, uh, the French Open. A lot of golfers, including Rafael Nadal, have pulled out. Uh, what are we looking at? Men's and women's side, who are the favorites? Yeah, Seth, uh, I, I think on the men's side, um, for the casual tennis fan, you might be thinking, okay, Nadal's out. King of clay, nowhere to be found. This has got to be Djokovic's tournament, right? Well, hold your horses just one sec, because actually at the top of the futures board, another young Spaniard, Carlos Alcaraz, is the favorite at Bovada. Better odds than Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic has seen his ranking uh, globally slip to number three in the world, which means that he and Alcaraz could end up on the same side of the draw later in the week. Alcaraz is the plus 125 favorite again, as noted. Djokovic 2-1. to one. Uh, They are the top of the board at Bovada on the men's side. On the women's side, uh, you have an outright favorite. You have an odds-on favorite. And for folks not familiar with the term, that means that Iga Sviatek, she is the minus 135 outright favorite over the entire field. That means she has roughly about a 55% chance of removing the VIG, of winning the whole dang thing. And there's a lot of competitors. Uh, I, I think that really speaks well to uh, just the kind of success she's had of late. Uh, I would say the most popular player right now on the women's side is Sabalenka right there at four to one. So we have Sabalenka right there at four to one, Ravakina right there at 13 to two. When it comes to the most popular bet overall, it is Iga. Iga is taking the vast majority of bets right now, Bavada, in what is otherwise uh, a pretty wide open women's French Open. I am very into the tennis. I, I I love it. I love it. I, the as a cord cutter, uh, the tennis tennis tournaments are not always available to me. So what happens is, if there's a minor tournament like they just had this uh, Italian Open, and I couldn't watch it, right? And when you can't, you you follow the scores, but you you kind of tune out. You know when the tournament is on. Usually it's on ESPN Plus. Um, I'll just put it on in the background and I, the, these young, there are some young stars, Rabakina. I love Sviatek is great. Um, I, 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 I gravitate towards the, the women's side. Cause I just, I find women's tennis to be really, really more compelling. It's much more wide open. Um, Carlos Alcaraz though, is something to behold. Um, I saw him in person last year at the, uh, the, the U S open. He was great. He's, he's, outstanding um and he could be the next star like he he could be the the star he, he's he's something else yeah if you're Djokovic uh, the last couple of years it's been the French that has been the most difficult or the U.S. if you can actually just not get into the country that's been tricky for him as well 
But if you're uh, if you're Djokovic, you're thinking, all right, Nadal, he's he's finally not there this year, and nope, here comes young Carlos uh, messing things up for you. So, uh, won't be an easy one for Djokovic. His form of late hasn't been that great either. So, uh, I, I think we're going to continue to see a lot of betting in, at him as an underdog in this tourney. But I, I love this time of year. I love the outdoor tourneys. The clay is so fascinating to me as someone who. Played a little bit of tennis growing up, but didn't have clay courts nearby. Um, the way these guys have to change gear from clay to grass another month and then the hard court season uh, coming up in August, uh, it's fascinating that they have to be able to master all those different services, uh, surfaces. Pardon me. And uh, yeah, look, really looking forward to this one getting underway. I hi- can highly recommend the uh, Netflix documentary uh, Breakpoint. Uh, it's about, you know, the world of tennis and these young stars and um uh, Felix Auger Alisame of Montreal. Uh, he's profiled in it. Casper Ruud from Norway. Um, Paula Badosa uh, from Spain. She was awesome. And they show her like in Madrid as a hometown favorite. Um, Owns Jabor, who I've seen in person. She's uh, incredible. Taylor Fritz, the American. Um, the whole thing is just amazing. Um, there's an episode where Matteo Berrettini has to step up because Djokovic is banned from the Australian Open because of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Again, it's from a couple of years ago, but the cool thing about the documentary is you don't care about the result. You you don't care when you see the tournament, you go, go, oh, well, I saw this. Because first of all, the camera angles that they're showing you, you're seeing it from a totally different angle. And what they're doing is they're interviewing the athletes while they're playing. So mm-hmm. they'll say, oh, oh, I remember what I was like down four, three, and I had to summon this. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, Breakpoint, it's called. It's on Netflix. I, it's only five episodes, and I, I, I could have been 50. I would have watched all 50. It's so good. And then after you just uh, recapped it, I think one of the scenes from Breakpoint, because I haven't seen the documentary yet, but I've seen some clips. And isn't one of them, Nadal, before the French Open final last year, him working out next to whoever it was that he mopped the floor with, and it was one of the most intimidating things ever in the hallway yeah, just Taylor before coming out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you see, like, Nadal come out there and just But like, it's oh. not – yeah, yeah. It's um, – no, 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 no. You're talking about uh, – this is Casper Ruud when he's facing Nadal at the French Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, yeah. another one where Taylor Fritz is playing Indian Wells, and there's a chance for him to go up against Nadal. And he mm. has to he has to do win. Oh my god! And then he gets hurt. Oh, it's 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 great. And the first episode is all about Nick Kyrgios, who we've talked about in the past on the podcast. He's badass, but batshit crazy. Uh, he's he's out yeah. of his mind, and he loses. He's got some cool. things going on. Yeah, yeah, that's what we said. He's he's got something going on. I I don't know, and I won't speculate. You know, but something something's going on with him. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but yeah. All right. Well, after you listen to this episode and make sure you subscribe and like and all that, then go to Netflix and Netflix. uh, If you ever want to advertise on this show, we will listen between that various streaming stuff. uh, That's what I'm going to be locked into for the next couple of weeks. So cannot wait. I meant to tell you uh, the the four overtime uh, game one between Mm -hmm. Carolina and Florida. I stayed up for two overtimes and I don't have a horse in the race. And it was that compelling, but you can't give me a 20 minute uh, intermission at one in the morning.
<laughs> like if you give me 20 minutes, I'm changing the station and I'm going to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I saw overtimes one and two. I did not see three and four. Yeah, that that game felt like my travels last week uh, coming back from Europe. Just never ending. No, no end in sight. It took me 27 hours to get from Dublin back to Canada last week due to various delays and some stuff that I'm going to have to Fight the good fight against Air Lingus. That's right. We're putting Air Lingus on blast on the Bavada at odds podcast. But um, yeah, that was I was supposed to be home in 10 hours and it took 27. So still sorting myself out a little bit. But uh, by this time next week, I imagine I'll be the bright, bubbly and usually articulate Pat Morrow who can correctly pronounce tennis players names. We'll see you next week, folks. Take care, folks. 